Hi, my name is Hina Solanke. Welcome to the Phil Fabulous Show. Okay, we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Feel Fabulous podcast. And we're living out uh, on Facebook. So today, I'm I'm actually really honoured um, and really excited about today because today I'm speaking with the amazing Sir Marco Robinson. So welcome, welcome, Marco. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Hina, and thanks for having me on your wonderful podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Absolutely delighted. So I'm Marco. I am a, a number one best-selling author. I am, I've won Entrepreneur of the Year a few times now. Um, I am a primetime TV creator and host of the Channel 4 TV show Get a House for Free, where I give homes to the homeless. I am a, an award-winning filmmaker of the film Legacy of Lies, which comes onto Netflix next week. Um, and I acted in that film as well. And now I, my favourite thing to do is acting and making films. But also I, I help people use their existing knowledge and expertise to, to, to get online and develop their own online course. I'm very busy with that right now. It's going crazy. So that's a little bit about me. Amazing. That's great. So I've got some um, questions. I mean, you've had, there's, you've had, you know, there's got a lot gone on in your life. So one of the... Um, in 2017, one of the press interviews, um, the title is pretty profound and it says, there was so much pain that it triggered something inside me. Would you like to tell us more about what that pain was? Well, that was 2017 was the time I was giving a houses away on the TV show. Um, mm -hmm. So let me take you back to my story. That it would make sense, more sense then. Yes, so please. When, when, I was, when I was two years old, my mum left my dad, he was a gambler, but he wasn't just a gambler, he was an addict. So he spent all the money that he made and all the money my mum made and spent lots and got into debt and stuff like that. So my mum was 23 years old then, she had no choice other than to leave him. She moved to the north of England where it was very cold, it was this time of year it was snowing, and she went to move in with her mum and her stepfather. But what I didn't know at that time was that she'd been sexually abused by her stepfather since she was four years old. So for her to go back there, was terrifying yeah. to do that. But I didn't know, I, was, I, was, I didn't even know until a few years ago in 2017, which I'll come back to in a minute. So her stepfather oh. said, yeah, so her stepfather said on the doorstep to my grandma, it's either me or them. And my grandma said, you can't stay here. So my grandma started, sided with him. And then we went to the park, we slept in the park a few nights, we nearly died of hypothermia. We got oh, taken wow. in by a friend, yeah, we got taken in by a friend of a friend. Um, we spent many years, I would say about the next, I don't know, six, seven years, moving around a lot, um, sleeping in people's couches, cars, garages, parks. Um, it was a bad time, and a lot of it I don't remember because it was traumatic. And yeah. Yeah, because I, I went to about 50 schools before I was even 10 years old, and I was the one that was getting bullied all the time. And, you know, school for me wasn't really a place that had any meaning. I was the guy that was just looking out the window at the back of the class, I was that kind of kid. Uh, right. I wouldn't engage with people because it was so traumatic at home when we had a home. Yeah. yeah. And then she met my stepfather when I was about nine. 
and he seemed a really nice guy, very affable, really generous, but he was also bipolar. Um, and in those days, 40 years ago, we didn't know what that word was, but he was basically yeah. a split personality. He was nice on the outside, but inside the house, it was violent. You know, he used to, he used to beat my mum up and throw down the stairs and there was, oh. always, there was always arguments going on of violent, of a violent nature. So I would run away from home a lot. If I did go home, I would just go under the bed and cry myself to sleep. That was mm. my childhood, really, in a nutshell. It wasn't pleasant at all. And when I was 15, she left him, thank God. And she met yeah. someone I'm still with now that really worked out for her. I'm very happy for that, for that. But I didn't want to stay with my stepdad, so I moved out. I didn't have anywhere to go. I got four jobs. I worked my ass off. And I did the same thing. I moved around on people's couches, parks, whatever I could sleep on. How um, old were you at that age? Sorry. 15. I was so 15. 15, yeah. Yeah. So wow. I didn't have any, I didn't have any, I didn't have any exam results, qualifications, nothing. Didn't, did not interest me. You know, a part of me thought that I was not good enough to go to university. Part of me thought that I was stupid. I was thick. I was bullied a lot. So I felt really insignificant. My only focus really was surviving. It wasn't, I didn't have any aspirations in life. And then one day, I, I worked in retail. I made a little bit of progress, worked in retail. And then a guy offered me a job in direct sales, uh, selling timeshare in the 80s, which was then right. popular. And yeah. of course, what I wanted to do, I, I wanted to escape that town. So anything that came up, I, I wanted to just leave. So I, I left and I went to work in that job. And I was literally the worst salesperson the company ever had. I didn't sell anything for like six weeks. <laughs> and the bosses were going to fire me. Yeah. And I lived five miles away from the office and I had to walk every day because I had no friends. So and my question, my internal narrative was, why am I such a fucking loser? Why is it never working out for me? Why? And, you know, the answer was, well, maybe you should go back to your hometown and become a cleaner for the rest of your life. And that was going through my head a lot. But also, what was also there was, I didn't want to go to that place again because there was so much pain associated with that. The pain was just yeah. unbearable. I couldn't do that pain anymore. I had enough of it. So the pain kept me away. And then one day, I, one day internally, I decided that I've had enough of this. So I changed the question in my head to, how can I be successful? And I kept asking it and asking it and asking it. And at that time, I was a dancer. I used to dance part-time. Not many people know that, but I actually won the Disco Dance Championship in the UK in 1989. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I, I used to go to Pineapple Studios and all sorts. So because I was a dancer, that really got me out of a lot of psychological darkness because the physiological stuff I was doing was helping me become in a better mood. So I changed my narrative to yeah. how can I be successful? And then one day I went to the office, two days later, and the top salesperson came up to me and said, um, Marco, I know you don't really talk to me because you think I'm better than you, but I used to be like you. I was the worst ever salesperson. I got fired from everywhere. And then something changed oh. for me. And now I'm the top salesperson. And he said, I want to help you because I, I, I was like you. And I said, no freaking way you were like you. said, listen, I was like you. So, of course, I had nothing to lose. I said, right, what I'm going to do, he said, I'm going to give you a book. I want to go home and read the book until you get the message. So I went home. I read the book eight times. Right. I didn't go to sleep. I ran to the office. And I was soaked, soaking wet in sweat. And they sent me home to get changed. 
<laughs> came back wow. to the office. And my first prospects that I had, the first customers I had, were both blind. He was blind, and she was blind, and they had a guide dog. And I'm thinking to myself, how the fuck am I going to sell them timeshare when they can't <laughs> even see me, let alone the timeshare? Yeah. yeah. Because I'd had an internal shift. I said to them, I said, listen, you're going to sit there for five hours. You're going to love it. And you're going to spend £10,000. You're going to give me a credit card after. And you're going to give me a big hug. Because I believed it. Wow. Wow. And they said, no, we're not. We want to leave right now. So there was a, a battle for six hours. And at the end of that, he, he leant over, gave me his credit card. said, listen, Marco, you were right. I absolutely love this. I want to buy it. Wow. Put it on the credit card now. What and book was, was it that you read, by the way? Sorry, say that again. Sorry to interrupt you. What book were you given to read? Well, what I will say before that is to, to free okay. the book. It was the, the book that I needed to read at the time. Okay. Okay. Right. It, it was like a psychological book about belief. Right. It was called That's Bring fine. Out the Magic in Your Mind. Brilliant book. Right. And then I said to him, why did you buy from me? And he said, well, because you just transferred your belief to us and we believed it. And that was the, that was the first success I had, apart from my dancing – that was the first huge success I had in my life. And that was a pivotal moment for me because I learned that if you want to do anything in life, you've got to believe in yourself and you've got to believe in what you do. Yes. Yes. So after, after that happened, to cut a long story short, I became salesperson of the month, salesperson of the year. I broke the world sales record in the industry. Wow. I got, I got offered jobs literally all over the world. Um, and I got offered a great job in Malaysia in 1997 to run a public company in the same industry that wasn't doing too well. And I turned right. it into a billion dollar company in a few years from nothing. Really. Oh gosh. Yeah, I, remember I, I had 10,000 staff. It was crazy. Right. Wow. And then when I was 31, about three years later, I had a heart attack and I collapsed in the office. Oh, and, and the reason I did that is because I was literally a workaholic. Okay. So it kind of accumulated. And I, obviously I, I survived that, but I had to change my lifestyle. And I also discovered after that that my wife was having an affair with my best friend. Oh, gosh. Which was more painful than the heart attack Ugh. because I had known them, both of them, for, I don't know, I'd known both of them for 10 years. So it was like a double betrayal. And it was, that really hurt. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I, 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 this is at the same time. And as I'm going through this, I had a lot of money. I had millions in the bank. But then I lost all my money on the stock market because I was stupid, greedy. I didn't know what the fuck I was oh. doing. So those three things happened to me in 2000. Oh, 2000. So what age What age are we talking now? What, was, how old were you? 32, 32 then. Right, okay. So I decided then, my next pivotal moment was, I don't want a boss anymore. I don't want anyone to dictate to me my destiny, my future. So I decided to quit the job. Um, became a default entrepreneur and, and what I did is I got little little gigs like I became a consultant I traveled around the world and did seminars for people which turned into motivational seminars for thousands of people yeah. and then I started a few businesses which I won the, the award for entrepreneur of the year for I started a business where I supplied vacation incentives I'd get I'd, I'd actually get free hotel rooms package them to a voucher and sell them to a company so they could give it away as an incentive, like buy a phone, get a free holiday. Okay? Wow. Okay. So I made a lot of money doing that. And then I got into property, did well with that. And then I got I opened my own restaurant. And then in 2017, Channel 4 TV, 
um, asked me if I'd like to have my own TV show because they heard about my story. And yeah. give a house away on TV to address the social housing issue because it's difficult to buy a house now as a first time buyer. The deposit's crazy. It's like 50 grand. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I did the TV show and I gave three houses away on that TV show. Oh, you gave three away? Off. Yeah, I gave three away. Paid the mortgage oh, off. I didn't... Oh, my God. Changed their lives completely. And on the last day of filming, so now we come back to the question you asked me. On the last day of filming, I was going to give the last house away. And I was feeling, there was no COVID then before we get into this. I was feeling right. very funny. <laughs> my nose was running. My eyes were running. And I couldn't really, it's difficult for me to speak. And I said to the production, I said, listen, we're going to have to delay it because I can't speak. And oh I noticed gosh. I noticed there was a psychologist, sorry, there was a woman walking around in the garden that I'd not seen before. And I said to the TV crew, who, who is that? And they said, well, that's, that's, the, um, that's the psychologist. I said, what? No, they said, this, the psychologist is here to counsel the person you're going to give the house to because they won't be able to cope with it. Oh. And I said, really? They said, yeah. And then this, this psychologist came up to me and said, I said, Marco, you're not, you don't have flu. You're having an emotional reaction to an unresolved childhood issue. Wow. I've and never said, heard of that. Yeah. And I said, no shit. She said, yes, shit. <laughs> so it's the first time, really, that I got to the level where it was like going back 40 years. And I went into that house and gave the house away and I cried for a week. Oh, wow. And it was the best therapy I ever had because I was able to give something away to someone that I didn't have. Yeah. Wow. I have got my tissues here, actually, but I'm, I'm doing okay so far. <laughs> that's just so amazing. What a, oh my gosh, that's just, it's one of the most graceful things I think I've ever heard of. And that's why when I heard a bit of your story on Clubhouse, I was just like, oh my gosh, I think I contacted you immediately because it really touched me. And I just thought that it's just such a humbling thing to do because you've obviously, you know, you've gone through it, you've been successful, you know, you might have lost a bit of it. You've been successful again. And now, and then you're in a position to help others. And I don't think there's anything greater than that, um, you know. I was just on a Clubhouse chat before and there was thousands of people on it. And it was all about, I've done this and I've done that. And I went on there and told my story. And then hundreds of people messaged me saying, listen, that was the best thing I've ever heard because you've given me the courage to tell my story. I said, well, yeah, because all that is just bullshit. You know, yeah. people are interested in you, in your story, yes. why you do yes. what you do. And people are searching yeah. for meaning. They're not searching for money, they're searching for meaning. Like when they get up, what the fuck am I getting up for today? Why am I doing this? Yeah. What is my journey for? What is what is the reason I'm doing all these things? What's what's next for me, you know? So my life has meaning now. I, I found my meaning, I found my meaning at like 47 years old, okay? Some people, never. most people never find the meaning. They think yeah. that being successful is all about is what it's all about. It's not, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. It does. I, I just think it, especially being male, to open up and be really open and honest about and show your vulnerability to people. I think it's really encouraging for other people who may be going through similar things or know of other people who are going through similar things. I know for myself, it took me a while. Uh, like you said, some people never find their um, 
I call it that missing link in their um, jigsaw puzzle. And I only two years ago found mine. And that's when things dramatically changed for me. Things were going really well, you know, for about the last nine years. But it was two years ago when I found that missing link. And then I started really... So my, my story is basically um, abusive marriage. And then I fell ill, um, raising two kids, single-handed, self-supported, no support financially at all. Um, and just really built myself up from there. But what, how it affected me psychologically, I wasn't ready to ask for help. And that's one of the things I talk about a lot is that please ask for help. That's why I try and share my story because it wasn't being from an Asian family, Indian family as well. It was, it wasn't so easy to be so open about what I'd gone through. It's just like, okay, you know, even though I wasn't the victim of the divorce, um, once I man had the courage to actually ask for that divorce, it was still my fault. You know, it's just like crazy. Um, so for me, definitely, uh, and I feel amazing after, you know, to two years. And now that's why my mission is so strong and my Feel Fabulous mission, because it took me a very long time to feel fabulous. I mean, when I say feel fabulous, obviously we have our rubbish days, but I mean, overall in your general state of mind, it's just, um, it's my mission to help people. I'm still working so excuse me on on other bits of my businesses which will come but I know inside um, I'm feeling much happier content and fulfilled and that's going to put me in a position now to be able to help others so I just think it's absolutely amazing yes you wouldn't be doing this without going through that experience right exactly exactly but I just think it's great hearing people's stories it's encouraging people and if somebody you know, normally these type of things, you don't get an awful lot of response or public response. You get private messages. Uh, you know, you'll probably find this yourself. They won't say anything in front of anybody. You'll get a private menace. No, no. Yeah. And it's often my posts and they have the least likes, but I'll get tons of private messages say, thank you so much. Uh, inspiration, you've helped me. And, I, and you give me a bit of courage. If you can give somebody that tiny bit of courage, then, hey, that's just amazing, isn't it? But your story gets even more amazing um, because you were knighted. Could you tell us about that and how that happened? So that's just, I mean, that's just, wow. Well, what happened was... Um... I was in Malaysia at the time and a friend of mine said to me that um, blind, there were three, 350,000 blind people in Malaysia that were not allowed to take a guide dog into public places. Okay. Now, Malaysia is a Muslim country, so they have a stigma towards uh, dogs. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Right. So yeah. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So basically, 350,000 people were trapped in the homes and they couldn't get a guide dog because they were getting blocked and stuff like that from coming into the country. So I thought, what the fuck is that happening for? And, you know, in my life, I love to take action if it makes a huge difference. It's got to be a big thing for me. I've mm -hmm. done I do a lot of small things, but for me, if I'm going to spend my time and invest it, I know that I can make a big difference. So I, this guy said, what can we do? I said, well, why don't we make a film? And we call the film, Are You Blind? Wow. So we, we, we brought a guide dog from, a, from China that cost us 15 grand. We well, the guide dog was already trained. And guide right. dogs are very clever animals. They can hold the bladder for six hours, by the way. Oh. Right, they're very clever. Um, so we filmed a blind man and the dog getting onto a train, a bus, getting into public transport and going into shopping centres. And right. everywhere they went, they were refused entry. <coughs> so oh, we, went, we went to all the shopping malls and were all refused. So we kept going back into the shopping malls. We kept getting further and further in. 
And then it got to a point where there were armed police that took us into the general <gasps> manager's office. And we were filming it, but they didn't know that. So you say, yes, it's against the law. You cannot bring a dog. No, 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 no. Right. So all this was on camera. So we made the film. It was a, basically a 15 minute short film. And we put it on Facebook and YouTube. It got 15 million hits in a week. Wow. Right. Incredible. Incredible. And suddenly I got a phone call from someone I wasn't expecting. And it, it, they said on the phone, um, listen, it's the royal household here. This is the king's personal assistant of Malaysia. Oh, okay. And I said, no, no way. It's a joke kind of thing, right? They said, no, this is true. And they, they verified it, sent me an email and stuff. And um, they said, listen, the king would like to see you because oh. you kind of embarrassed the country. Oh, my God. I thought I was in deep shit, basically. <laughs> right? He goes to jail. Yeah. So, anyway, I went to see the king. And he, he, I was in the private room. And he said, listen, we've, we've got a decision here, Mr. Robinson. We can either make you disappear or oh. we, we can give you a knighthood. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'd rather you give me the knighthood. And we started laughing. It was very, oh nice, my very, gosh. very nice. Very nice. And they said they had no idea. That the trouble they, the blind people were having and how amazing guide dogs were and they opened the guide dogs to come into the country and they telephoned all the shopping malls and made it law that they can take the guide dogs in and the shop every single shopping mall manager called me to apologize and wow. said let them in now that's an amazing story right my hairs are going up literally that's incredible that's oh my gosh it just gets even to, uh, to change you've changed you've changed so many people's lives um i think that's just that's brave um and just i'm a little bit speechless actually with that that's just blown me away um that's totally amazing so that all happened in which year did this happen 2020 no 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 sorry uh ooh, i'd say 2016 Right. So do we call you Sir Marco or do we call you? <laughs> oh, gosh. So what do you, you, you've been through so much. So could we talk a little bit about mental health and self-care? How did you actually deal with all this? Because I know it took me ages. And with therapy, I have spiritual mentors. Um, Pauline, if she's listening, my shout out to her because she's absolutely been my rock. But other other therapy as well. So what, what did, how did you get through this? Because it's not easy. Well, luckily, that TV show helped me transform my mental health. Right. Every, every darkness that I've been through, I've always ended up talking to people about it and sharing. And the thing is, it takes, it takes the utmost courage to actually share and be vulnerable, especially for a guy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Not being sexist here, but for a guy, because we're like testosterone and success. It's true. You know, we're seen as the bis this big standing up kind of person, right? And, yeah. you know, it's difficult to do that a lot because actually that's yeah. not who we are. That's not who we are. And, you know, I'm a mental health advocate for a lot of people. But there is a, there's a fine line because I can be a mental health, health advocate to a degree. But then if I'm giving the right advice and helping them and they don't follow that advice and then they keep whining and moaning about why their life's shit, then I have to say, listen, I can't, I can't really help you anymore. Because the end of the day, it's down to you to get off the yeah. cross and start doing shit yourself. Because there was no one there to help me as a child or as a teenager or as an adult. I didn't go go to therapy. 
I thought therapy was beneath me at one point. Now I think therapy is an amazing thing and everyone should do it. I think everyone should have a therapist, by the way. That's definitely, yeah. definitely true, right? Um, but what I did was I just dug deep and I realized, you know what? I've got a choice. I can either finish my life and I've been suicidal twice in my life or I can get off my ass and realize that, you know, anything's better than being dead. So why don't we start again in the first day the rest of your life? Oh, wow. So how do you maintain it? What do you do now? Are there any practices that you do particularly? Any rituals? Well, or, one of the most important things is, make, is, is choosing who you spend your time with. Yeah. Um, you've got to be really careful about who you share with, especially who you're hanging around with, because a lot of people are fucked up. And I'm sorry to use that language, but it's in context. Yeah. People are fucked up inside. And what they do is they, they project that as um as a toxic attack on you or they will defend themselves by being toxic right yeah you have to get away from that you can't be around people like that you've got to be around people that understand you know who you are and also people that would also do anything for you if the roles were reversed because a lot of people are around you because there's an agenda there and you've got to have that radar yeah. So listen, is this is this a genuine person, or do they have the potential to be a genuine person? So number one, if you want something, you've got to spend time with the people. You've got to hang around the, with the people that have got what you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And number two, you've got to remove yourself from the people that have got what you don't want. Now, number two is more difficult than number one. Yeah. Because some of them sometimes are your family members and your friends. And you know this because you've been through it. Yeah. Especially in Absolutely. Asian families where you're in culture to be big group, protect each other, you tell everything to your family. But you know what? Your mum and your dad and your brothers and sisters don't know what the fuck to do next for you because that's what you know, right? Yeah. And trust me, yeah. I've had a really bad experience with my family. When I had a lot of money, one of my family completely embezzled it and nearly I lost everything because of what he did right oh, so and a lot of the family protected him because they also wanted my money yeah. i don't talk to those families anymore. i don't talk to any one of that family anymore and you know what yeah. my life's wonderful you know what i'm exactly the same i mean i actually don't have an awful lot of family anymore my mom and dad passed but other than that outside i just do not um i don't associate i just i i just don't i you know, for me to get where I am and to get my headspace in this in this place, I'm not having anybody. For me, my two sons are the most important in in the world to me, and that is it. Um, and if anybody anything toxic comes in, oh, yeah. Hang on a minute. You are the most yeah. important person in the world to you. I'm, yeah. Reframe that. Yeah. I know. I know. That's. I do. Actually, I was writing something recently, and I, I, I put my two sons, and then I'd actually put God in front. Actually, so actually, God came first, and I changed it. That's actually on my clubhouse bio, and I've had a few, few people say, "Oh, I like the way you put God first. Um, yeah, but you're absolutely right. It, you're absolutely right, and that's still. You can see it's still, and I'm actually struggling. You still got. Still... You still got a, a loop there that yeah. needs fixed. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's slight little bit. I need I'm to only, let go. I'm only, I'm only saying it because I spotted it. You have spotted it, and I'm. My, I can feel my myself. Duty. It's my duty to serve you because I spotted that. Oh. Yeah, an honest person actually. 
You know something, I had a, a, a conversation with somebody recently and I said, I mean, I don't know you that well, but true people will actually challenge you, um, you know, and when their fake friends will just agree with you or say, yes, you look great when you absolutely don't look great, or they'll say everything's wonderful. But a true, someone who's true, true, true will actually say, well, hold on a sec, which is exactly what you've just done. And you've made me instantly realise, hold on, even though I think it, I just spoke something different. Um, because like you said, there's still something going on there, which I need to obviously address. Um, no, absolutely. I am number one. <laughs> you are. I am and, you number know, one. I'm another story. I was married. I went back to my wife after that. After that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that was the, that was the worst mistake I ever made. That was the worst mistake I ever made. I went back because of the children. I put the, I put the oh. children yeah. The reason yes. I put the children first because of my dad was an asshole. I didn't want them not to have a dad. Yeah. But it was the worst mistake I ever made. You know why? The kids don't even yeah. remember half the stuff that I was doing with them when they were that age. And secondly, they said to me, Dad, if we'd known, we'd have asked you to go ourselves. Yes. And what I what happened was is I stayed in a loveless marriage for seven years. It was the most difficult thing I had to do. But also because also she was a different mindset than me. She didn't want whenever I took a risk. She'd say, oh, don't do that. It's too risky. So I wasn't making any money staying with her. And in yeah. 2008, the best day of my life was leaving my wife. Oh. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. People say, when I say I'm divorced, they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. It was the best thing ever. It was the best thing ever. And and funny I had enough a party for a year. I celebrated <laughs> for a year. I went everywhere Ooh. in the fucking world. I dated tons of girls. I'm not a that kind of guy, but I just I needed to get out of myself. Yeah, I needed freedom. To I needed to freedom. find me. And I met a wonderful girl, and we ended up being having a great relationship. Um, but you know, I found myself again, and it was and I made a, I made a million pounds that year after I left my wife, not during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's a different entrepreneurial mindset, isn't it? Having it, some it's, it's very difficult when you're with somebody who doesn't uh, think or work in that way for them to. A lot of people think you're a failure if you don't get married. Well, fuck you. It's not. It's not. Because you know what? 85% of marriages fail. It's not one in two. You say 85% yeah. fail because people stay with the same person for convenience. Okay? Yeah. But all the, love, love is an amazing thing. But the problem is that people develop differently in relationships. You have to, you have to ask permission to do this and that. I'm a, I have a girlfriend, right? But I don't live with her. We have mm -hmm. our own lives. And yeah. you know what? We get, on, we get on so much better because of that. And yeah. I want to tell people on your podcast, don't <laughs> freaking worry about getting married, guys. Concern yourself about always working on you. And if you meet people yeah. along the way that connect with you, that's amazing. Be grateful yes. for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, there's, there's obviously going to be people out there who are listening right now who have had you know, who've been married for 30, 40 years and they're happy. But like you said, it's not a taboo that you have to be married. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be married to be happy. Um, and I can completely um, relate to that totally. It's the stigma for sure. Because Definitely. you're in and cultured, especially Asian families, that you yeah, must get yeah. married. You must, I mean, that's yeah. going to have arranged marriages for God's sake. You know, so, so yes, I, I think marriage is fantastic if it's right for the couple, if it's the right thing yes. to do. But you don't yes. have to sign a piece of paper in sacrosanct to declare that you are committed to somebody. That's mm -hmm. love is the best thing. 
Absolutely. Love conquers all. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's been really interesting and what a deep conversation. I've absolutely loved it. But where does where do you go from here? What what's uh, what's what holds what the what does the future hold for you? Well, I've just released my movie Legacy of Lies now on Netflix next week. That's a huge step, a huge deal, huge achievement for me to do that. So fantastic! Now Congratulations. More, yeah, now I'm looking to make more films and getting more serious about because when I'm acting, when I'm on a film set, that's my favourite thing to do. It's absolutely I adore it. Yeah, you so love it. Yeah. That's that's the thing for me. Um and I'm also doing I'm also working on uh, a festival with my I actually have my own charity. And we're we're launching uh -huh. the yeah, we're launching the Freedom X Festival to help the people that have been excluded from government help. The entertainers, the pubs and the restaurants. Right. We're launching that in the next two weeks. We're gonna do a big concert virtually and a real concert, and we're gonna raise millions and help people that have been excluded. Wow, that's amazing. What's your charity called? Freedom X. It is called Freedom X. Wow, that's, that's unbelievable. How, yeah, it makes so much sense. How can, can, can somebody just Google Freedom X and they'll you have got a website? It's a registered, fully registered charity. And if you follow yeah. my Instagram, um, you can see all my, my details on there. You can follow me Brilliant. and see what's happening in my life. Yeah. Amazing, thank you. So, for the people that have tuned in, how how can they follow your work other than the website for the the uh, the uh, the uh, charity? My Instagram is Marco Robinson now. It's got a blue tick, so you know it's me. It's the real one. It's verified. Uh, I'm also on Twitter as a blue tick as Marco Robinson seven, but Marco Robinson now is where I'm spending most of my time. And of course, Clubhouse is now taking up a lot of time. Um, I know. You, know, you can spend hours on that thing, can't you, every day? I know, it's amazing. I know. It's an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. It's an I think amazing it's great now because of the lockdown. Everyone has got no one to talk to, so we have to go there. Perfect. It is perfect. I like to ask everybody at the end of a, a podcast, how do you define feel fabulous? What does feel fabulous mean to you? Well, that's a very easy question to ask. Feeling fabulous is doing the things you love to do every single day oh. and getting paid for it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, I've really enjoyed today. I hope you enjoyed it too. And I hope the listeners, great. And I hope the listeners did um, as well. So thank you everybody um, for tuning in. Obviously this is being streamed live on Facebook, also on the Feel Fabulous podcast, and it will go on the Hemi Solanke YouTube channel. So thank you. I'll put it on my Instagram and on IGTV. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. So thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye.